You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. All right. Well, welcome this morning to a brand new series. We've been praying and asking God to meet us in this series called is called Breaking Barriers. And uh, I was thinking about this this uh, this past week as we were pulling all these details together uh, for this series, that it is human nature to break barriers. It's within each of us to want to push the limits. How many of you have a teenage or have had a teenage uh, son or daughter? They push the limits sometimes, right? And, uh, and even as adults, we're saying, hey, we want to go a step further. It, and what's great is I believe that it's God's design to take us further. And uh, it's his heart for us to break barriers. And I really, when you boil it down, that we were created to break barriers. And what I want you to know is that today is the culmination of hundreds of hours cumulatively of our staff and board and a team of people uh, that have been working on this message series that's starting today and will continue for the rest of the month. Uh, We brought in a church consultant back in February of this year and literally uh, we worked on Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday after church until about 10 o'clock that night. And many, uh, there's a bunch of you that were a part of that. And thank you for serving. And not only that, we continue to serve. We continue to meet, continue to pray, and uh, really looking for discernment about um, not only where we are as a church, and we did. We took a hard, long look at the statistics and said, okay, where are we? What are we experiencing as a church? And taking a realistic look Um, And that's where we started. But then more importantly, we pressed on beyond that and said, where did we sense that the Lord was taking us? And really our goal was to say, all right, over the next five years, God, what do you have for us? Five years. And we created this plan, this vision that we believe was Holy Spirit inspired. And today, we're going to share that vision, kind of the first piece of that. And it's kind of unfolding over these next few weeks. And when I think about sharing vision, there's part of me that says, man, I'm so excited. I was born for this. Uh, We've got a whole team behind us, and it's exciting. And I believe that we have heard from the Lord, and we were going to continue to hear from the Lord. And so that's all good. But how many know when you share vision, at least for me, I'm a little scared. I mentioned it last week. I'm saying, man, I'm, we're putting God on the line. We're speaking into each of our lives. What is God calling us to do? And yes, we hold things lightly. We don't know the future. Only God knows. But this is what we believe God has for us over the next five years. And so we started working on this. And we, we started saying, okay, who are we becoming? That's the vision. But before we get to that vision piece, I want you to know that the vision will not affect who we are as a core. 
that who we are, we are, and you can say it with me, a spirit-filled church committed to glorifying God by connecting the people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, and with the world. Now that's our mission statement. And we talk about living out our mission on a regular basis. And that is not going to change. This process is not changing who we are. It's more about who we are becoming. And with that said, I want you to know that we are passionate as a staff, as a board, and I know many of you are charged uh, about our future and the future of this community. We love the lakeshore. How many love the place that we live? Isn't it? I mean, we are blessed, but we're also passionate about the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom, the big C, the big church. And because of that passion, we are, will, we, we are willing to do just about anything to reach one more. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. And so we underwent this process and went through a penetrating assessment, a real look at where we were. And there were two things that emerged. The first was a huge barrier that every church our size faces. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But then we followed that up with two primary obstacles that we must address. And we're going to address those this morning. But let's talk about that first barrier that every church our size uh, has to address. And what it's called is the 200 barrier. The 200 barrier. The 200 barrier in churches is the most difficult barrier to break. People that study this in research, they say it's the most difficult to break. And you can't just kind of mosey along and break through the 200 barrier. And when we say the 200 barrier, that's churches that average in attendance between 150 and 250. And that's exactly right where we are. You have to bust through that. You have to be intentional and you have to have a plan to get through that 200 barrier. Now, crazy. Nearly 50% of all churches in the United States, which is over 400,000 churches uh, total, so that's almost 200,000, run less than 75 in weekly attendance. That that kind of blows my mind. Uh, uh, We, as a church, because we're in this 200 range, and we average around 200 or a little bit over, uh, we are in the 85th percentile. So that means we're in the, uh, we're in the 15th percentile. Uh, that means 85% of churches uh, do not run even as strong as we do as a church. And if we're passionate about our community and we're passionate about reaching one more and about advancing the kingdom of God, I, we just believe the leadership does and the team that we've, we're working with, and I know many of you, we believe that it is not okay for us just to stay where we are, that we have to bust through this barrier. In fact, we believe over the next five years, we will bust through that 200 barrier and at least double in size. We believe that's where God has us going. And to do that, we have got to address two obstacles that emerge in our time, two things that we are facing today. And uh, again, this comes uh, with an expert working with us. This comes from a lot of discernment and looking at the hard facts of where we are. And I want you to know that as we share this, um, there may be some kickback, and I understand that, um, but we're going to talk through this over the next few weeks. And uh, we believe that as we understand this, it's going to motivate us to 
uh, to make the proper steps uh, to move in the right direction. And the thing that we realize is that among the membership and the current regular attenders, the majority of our congregation, in other words, are mature believers. And we'll talk about what that means here in a moment. And only a small number have been fully activated where they are regularly reaching out to unchurched people in their lives. The two things that we identified that are kind of barriers that we have to break is number one, a lack of evangelistic passion. Number one. And I know when I say that, you're saying, well, I care about the lost. But my question is, do you really? And show me some evidence of that. Because I'm telling you, when we realize this, your pastor, you're looking at him. This about wrecked me when I realize when's the last time that I've rubbed shoulders with someone that was an unbeliever or shared my faith or made a difference. It's been months at this point since I have led someone to the Lord outside of church. And I'm saying, Lord, help me. But this lack of evangelistic passion, and it's something that we're going to address. The second thing is a lack of overall involvement. This all-in mentality, saying this is my church, and I'm going to help reach one more. And we believe that the key to our future lies in us creating a passion within each of us to be a part of the solution, to be all in. And over the next few years, it must become second nature for us to reach one more. And I want to talk about that. And when we do that, we look at this simple view of spiritual growth. It's a diagram that helps us to identify where you might be and where we want people to go in regards to their relationship with Jesus. On the top right uh, corner, we start with the quadrant that says looking for something. Do you know someone in your life that's looking for something, that hasn't found Jesus? I can think of people. I hope that you can think of people. And what's great is that we were created with this idea that we are created for purpose. And so many people wonder, why was I created? How many have been there? I know I have right? And so we want to take people that are looking for something, and we want to bring them to the cross to have a salvation experience. That's their connection with God, an upward arrow. Then we move people from there to that salvation experience. At that point, they are an infant disciple. They're just growing in their faith, and they, we want to move them to a place where they connect with other people. That's the inward arrows, moving them to the place where they're connected. And we believe when they become connected with others, it'll help move them from an infant disciple to a maturing disciple. You tracking with me? And in that, uh, that idea of maturing disciple, they might be serving once a month. They may be doing some things right. They may be growing. They're growing in the Lord. They're, they're, they're doing their devotions and things like that. But we want to move those maturing disciples to a place then of total surrender where they're reaching out and they, in that uh, top left quadrant, it says that they're activated. And there's two arrows, one going back, one going forward. Let me explain that. When you become activated, it's not just reaching forward to reach one more. And we've talked about that quite a bit in the spring and through the summer a bit. But also reaching back to bring a maturing disciple to a place of total surrender. 
And we want to move people through this cycle and ultimately to reach one more. Now, in the middle of the diagram, we understand that there are places or there are things that can sidetrack us. There are barriers that keep us from moving on. If an infant disciple does not get connected, if they become disconnected in some way, how many know they will wither and walk away from the faith if they're not connected? So that's why small groups are so important. Our connection groups and other things, even like tonight with, uh, with Sunday Night Live, are so important. We've got to be together to break through that barrier. If you move along to maturing disciples, if a maturing disciple becomes inward-focused, it will stall them in their walk with the Lord. Inward-focused. And, I, and I, we're going to talk a lot about that this month. But then we want to move to this total surrender. There's even a breaking point there. That if you become apathetic or you just don't care anymore for some reason, you'll become stalled. The idea here is to keep on moving and to keep the rotation going. But there are barriers for each of us in regards to our spiritual growth. How many know the enemy does not want you to grow in your faith? He does not want you to advance or certainly not to take anyone with you around the circle. It takes faith to break through those barriers. And it's going to take faith this morning to step out like some of you will do today, I believe, and make a decision saying, I want to be fully activated. But before we get there, I want to take you back to the basics. Kind of why do we exist as a church? And it's straight from Scripture in Matthew chapter 28, if you could turn with me there. Matthew chapter 28 uh, is a great, uh, great passage. There's three verses here that uh, we talk about, and uh, it, it has actually its own title to these three verses. It's called The Great Commission. Everybody say The Great Commission. It's Matthew 28. Starting in verse 18, it says, Jesus said to them, that's the disciples, those that were following him, and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the great commission. One pastor of mine says it's the everyday commission. This is Jesus after he was rose from the grave. He's telling his disciples that it is their responsibility to go and make disciples. Now fast forward to Acts chapter, uh, let's see, Acts chapter 1. Now Jesus is with them in a similar setting. It says on one occasion while he was eating with them, could be, could have been this very exact time, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of, that my Father has promised, which you have heard me talk about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in this conversation, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Verse 6, then he gathered them around. Or they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, and listen to this, he said, it's not for you to know the dates or the times that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what I want you to see here is that from that moment, just moments after that, Jesus ascended into heaven. And from that moment, the disciples took steps of faith from that point to fulfill the Great Commission, the Everyday Commission. In fact, the first eight chapters is all about passion for the lost. In chapter 2, 3,000 were added to the church. A little later, 2,000 were added to the church. And, uh, and then it says uh, in multiple times in Acts that they were adding to the church daily as those who were being saved. There was a passion to reach and there was an involvement. There was this all-in mentality from the disciples. And then we get to Acts chapter 9 and another interesting story emerges. We see Saul who was persecuting the church. In fact, turn with me there. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters, and he was, he was stirring up all kinds of trouble. In verse 4, an audible voice arrested him on the road to Damascus, and, he, and God himself called out to Saul, in verse 9, he had been blinded. It says, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And what I want you to know, and just to understand here, we're using Saul, who became Paul a little later. But we see Saul, he is looking for something. He's looking for something. He was not looking for Jesus, and Jesus got a hold of his life. But there was this barrier and he breaks through that barrier in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. And then in the second, he kind of moves to that infant disciple uh, or infant uh, believer uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 19. He has a salvation experience. Some doubted that, like Annas. Let's look at it, verse 17. Then Annas went to the house and entered, placed his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, uh, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you saw as you were coming here, he sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. He had a salvation experience, was baptized, and now he's moving to the point of maturing believer. Acts chapter 9, verse 20, the story continues. It says, At once he began to preach in the synagogues and that Jesus is the Son of God. He's saying, man, I've got to tell somebody. I've got to make a difference, right? He's learning and he's experienced this. In verse 22, it says, And Paul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. He's digging in. He's growing. He's a maturing disciple at this point. And then you fast forward to Acts chapter 13. What happens? Now he moves to a place of total surrender. Let's look at it. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. And so at this point, he's saying, Look, you're all in and you are total surrender. Verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on him and sent them off. And he sent them off so that they could reach one more. 
In the next few verses, verses 4 through 12, we see that Paul, or we see that Paul reaches out to a sorcerer that was curious, that was looking for something. And he reached out to Elymas and he made, and it says in verse 9, uh, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil and the enemy of everything that's right. And he shows him what's wrong and he brings him to faith. And then Paul, in, in essence, completes the cycle and he does it again with this sorcerer. Now, what I want you to see is that Paul, who became, Saul, who became Paul, went through this pattern. And then he does it again and again throughout the rest of the book of Acts. But what's interesting is that Paul wasn't there when Jesus first told the disciples to go and make disciples. Someone had to tell Paul that, hey, this is what a disciple does. They reproduce themselves. They go and reach one more. Paul took it on his own. And the rest of the, the book of Acts, like I said, Paul is activated. And what's great is that by the end of Acts, Paul had fulfilled Matthew chapter 28 and Acts chapter 1, verse 8, going to the ends of the earth. You say, how is that possible? At that point, the end of the world, uh, he went all the way to the end of the known world, telling people, powered by the Holy Spirit, he did it. He broke the barrier and fulfilled what God called him to do. It's an incredible story. Now, I want you to, everybody here, to turn with me to Acts chapter 29. Just turn with me there. And when you get there, just let me know that you got that. And uh, something just was revealed here in my study this week. Acts chapter 29, everybody there. What, what's going on? Acts chapter 29, if you could turn there, please. Wait, there is no Acts? We are still in Acts. Some of you are wondering what's going on. You don't have your scripture with you. There is no Acts chapter 29. Because you are Acts 29. Just what John said, we are living in Acts 29. And it's reproduced. And someone this morning is telling you, just like they told Paul, to reach one more. That a healthy disciple reproduces themselves and they make a difference. And I want you to know that every generation is called to fulfill the Great Commission in their generation. To break barriers and to make it a possibility. You are Acts 29. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are Acts 29. Now, and it's the truth. Now, we were looking for a story to kind of highlight, a testimony of someone within our church that kind of modeled this idea of reaching one more, that were activated and didn't just stand by, just didn't just attend church, but really was reaching out and doing it. And a story emerged that I'm so pleased that we're going to share with you here momentarily. It's of Mark and Andrea Wigan. They were here first service with their family. And what's interesting about their story is that Mark and Andrea, they move in uh, to a, to a uh, to their house, a neighbor moves in next door, and then an interaction happens 
that is remarkable. God was in it. And here, not to share it, was, it's not Mark and Andrea, but their neighbor, Shannon Dradzowski. I want you to check this video out, her testimony of how God used the Wiggins in their life. All right, my name's Shannon. And I don't exactly know how many years I've been coming to the church, but I've known Mark and Andrea for about, let's say, probably 16 years. We moved in next door to them, and um, we quickly became friends. We, you know, we shared the front yard and everything, and she had kids, and mine were still just babies. Hers were older, and um, Gwendolyn was born, so Dylan was in between Monica, and then there was Rachel, and then Gwen, so they kind of sandwiched my kids, and which was a wonderful thing because um, they brought them to the church. They were coming, and I thought I should check it out, and there was another church that they went to too, and I drove up in front of that one a few times, and then just like, I never made it inside for some reason, I don't know. And then I would come here and pick up the kids after church, and I was always greeted. Well, Pastor Pete greeted me, introduced himself, and so I'm like, hey, I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna go in on a Sunday morning and check it out. And so we all went, and it was cool. Everybody was really nice, and then um, I just, then sometimes I came without them because they were busy and they weren't coming, and then I was sitting here alone once wondering, how did I get here? Just me. So then that was, it's all about my kids for me. So if Jesus has my kids coming to church, then that means that he needs me in church too. And if, if they would have probably not asked us to church, I think we would just be still just floating out there like without a major purpose. Still believing because we always believed, but not with a home to come to. story and what I love about this and we could the we took film for probably 30 minutes or more uh, you didn't get the whole story but it really started with a mom and a dad letting their kids play with the next door neighbors and bringing those kids to church and then what happened is those kids reached their mom and they were all here first service too, Shannon and uh, and um, Rachel and then those kids, what's beautiful is that they have also kind of taken the, the initiative to reach one more as well. Their, their, their daughter, Rachel, who's 16 years old, is a friend of, uh, of our daughters, and uh, Rachel has continued this cycle and has brought her friend, Marina, and her friend, Marina, uh, brought her family to church, and they're all connected here at the Gateway Church and we're ready to do it again. And it's a beautiful story of how a family that gets this can make a difference. This story was worth sharing. But more than just sharing it, it's worth repeating again and again and again. And as a church and as a team, we want to help you 
to eliminate the barriers to make this happen in your life. And so we've worked uh, tirelessly uh, at this to put, to, so we can be a part of something bigger than any one of us. Where each of us, you and I would all say that, look, I am all in. I'm total surrender. Now, practically, we understand to do that. We don't need a, an elaborate marketing campaign. We just need to invite our guests to church. And we want to be able to do that. So we were going to be committed to a quality experience where people feel loved, uh, genuine, genuinely excited about what God is doing here at the Gateway Church. And we just believe that if people uh, would love it enough, kind of like they love their favorite movie enough, what are they going to do? They're going to share or they're going to go again and watch it again and bring someone with them. So part of this process for us as a team, as, uh, as a staff and board, and, uh, as, and we had a team working with us, uh, we created a vision narrative. And I want to share it, and it, I'll just kind of read through it a little bit. By the end of this month, we're going to kind of fully show the, the full picture here. But this, in regards to breaking our current barrier, this is what we wrote. In order to break through our current barrier, we have identified several initiatives. As a church, we will tirelessly be committed to keeping our servants relevant for our guests. We are not here for ourselves. It's for our guests, and we've got uh, to understand that. This includes carefully crafted worship sets and preaching series that will strive for excellence every week. We want you to come and feel comfortable to, that uh, whoever's in the pulpit has studied and prayed and, and uh, has a word from the Lord that the worship team is sharp and on and, uh, and leading us into the presence of God. How many are appreciate that week in and week out? So that's a measure of excellence. We will create trust among our people and future attendees by providing services where we will be excited to share what God is doing and we won't want to miss a service. That's living out our mission, faithfully attending every week, Right? Another step is we will be committed to keeping our facilities fresh and sharp. And you say, well, man, aren't we building? Yes, we've broke ground. The steel is up. The roof is on. And we are moving forward with other foundational things with our new building. But we will not let this place get dilapidated. We want your guests to know that we care about them. And so we're going to do our best. We've got a whole initiative, a whole team working on the first impressions. And uh, starting this month and then through the fall, we, you're going to see some things upgraded, ceiling tiles fixed, paint and uh, holes in walls fixed, and uh, lots of other things uh, that are going to make our place sharp and fresh. How about connect groups? As for connect groups, which is a hub for us to live life and to experience life together, this fall in particular, they will become a vehicle for mature Christians to grow in evangelistic passion to reach one more. And we're going to take you on a process. And I'll just pause there for a second. We have plans. We are going to be unfolding a plan where we have small groups that every small group is going to meet seven times this fall before Christmas, all with the idea of creating this holy discontent, saying, look, there are people in our lives that need Jesus, and we want you to be a part of that. It's, a, it's for the fall. And finally, we will be committed to creating and providing or opportunities for all of us to invite our guests. 
And we're going to do that by Christmas, but also we got an opportunity to be activated even this month with our, with our annual backpack drive. Now, there's a lot that has been going into this, and we're going to talk about it over the next few weeks as well. But as we start this, there's two verses of Scripture that the Lord has illuminated to me, and I believe they're the word of the Lord for us and for uh, this season. The first one is found in Isaiah chapter 54. And I'd like you to turn with me there. Isaiah chapter 54, it's talking about the future glory of Zion. But in verse 2, I believe that it, it, it uh, represents us where we are today. And look what it says. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. That's what we're doing, church. We're building. We're making room for more. And uh, the, it, that new building is not for us. It's for our guests. How many times are we going to say it, right? Until it sinks in. And that's why we exist. But it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. This is not a time for us just to coast into the new building. This is a time for us to advance and to reach one more, to advance the kingdom of God on the lakeshore. It says, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Verse 3, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. How many know that there's a dry, weary world around you? And when it talks about desolate places or dispossessed nations, I believe that it's talking in our context of neighbors and co-workers and family members that are lost, that are dry, that need to be reached. And it says you will spread out to reach them. That's our call. That's what God is calling us to. I believe it's the word of the Lord for us as a church. Turn with me also to Deuteronomy chapter 1. We see a story here where Moses had been with the children of Israel at Mount Horeb for a long period of time. In verse 3, it says, In the 14th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. I would say it's similar to the way that I'm standing in front of you as your pastor in describing our future together. Look what the word of the Lord was for them, and I believe it has a connection for us as well. Verse 6 says, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, said to us here at the Gateway Church, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. How does that reply, or how does that hit us? The idea that, yes, we're moving forward, we understand that. But then look what it says, verse 7. It says, break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring people in the mountains, in the western foothills, along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and, the Le and to Lebanon, as far as the great river and to the Euphrates. What is that saying in our context? It's saying get out of your comfort zone and reach one more, I believe. Go to your cities. Go to your neighbors. Go to your family members. Go to your co-workers and let them know what Jesus has done in your life. It says, see, verse 8, I have given you this land. It's ours for the taking. The harvest is ripe. 
We have got, it's time to, to reach one more. To see, I've given you this land. Go in, take possession of the land that the Lord, he swore, that swore he would give us to our father, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. Church, I believe that as I unpacked that, as I prayed and meditated over these verses, I believe that the Lord is calling us to a new dimension, to our future, and we've got to break ground, break barriers to overcome. And how important is that? We were made to create, to break barriers in our lives. And you've got to know that. Well, we were studying this and they're, they're talking about this as a staff on Tuesday. And Rachel Nellis, uh, who works with our kids, works with your kids in, in the back. And uh, she says, she was getting excited. I could tell. I'm like, what are you thinking? She said, we've got to just do it. <laughs> and I said, you're exactly right. We just have to do it. And the result will be that our church will look a little different. And next week, we're going to actually talk about that, that when you take people through this cycle, it's a little bit messy. But what we're going to see, and I'm declaring it this morning, that God is going to advance his kingdom. And so I want to say welcome to our future. Welcome to the future where each of us are passionate about the lost. Each of us are involved, all in, serving together so we can reach one more. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, that you're challenging us to be a part of something so much bigger than any one of us. And God, I pray that the story that was shared just moments ago of the Wiggins reaching the Dradzowskis and then the Dradzowskis reaching Marina's, uh, Marina and Marina reaching her family, God, that that would inspire us beyond our wildest imagination. But that is not just for one or two, but Lord, that's for each of us to see those types of miracles happen. Lord, I pray that you would help us in these next few moments to really decide to be all in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to bow your heads, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed here for a moment. What I want you to understand is that what we're talking about here is not about the Gateway Church. It's about you and me fulfilling the Great Commission. And part of that is reaching one more. And this morning, I want to give an opportunity. I certainly don't know everyone. I would hate to take for granted that, um, you know, that everyone here is a believer. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, or if you feel like you're away from the Lord in any capacity, we want to pray for you. We want to pray a miracle prayer of salvation. And so this morning, if you're here and that's you, you're saying, man, I need salvation. I need Jesus in my life. I want you just to raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray for you. Yes. Yeah. A couple hands to my left. Who else this morning? Second service. Surrendering. Yeah. Thank you. In the middle. Yeah. We're going to pray for you here in just a moment. Who else saying, man, if I were to die today, I'm not sure 
I'd make it to heaven. And I want to know for sure. If that's you, I want you just to lift up your hand. We'll pray for you. church, there were three ladies, you can open your eyes, I think they're all ladies, that, uh, that responded, saying, man, I need to get my life right with the Lord. And maybe there was others that need to do that. I'm going to lead in a miracle prayer. It's really not the words of the prayer that are so miraculous. It's really believing what we're about to say. Because it says if we are faithful, uh, that God is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but we've got to ask him to do that. And we've got to accept him into our hearts. And so, could we just pray this prayer out loud? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please come into my life and make yourself real to me. Lord, I surrender to you. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the grave so that I could live with you in heaven forever. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And we rejoice with the angels in heaven for what God is doing, amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We are in an awkward situation, first service, and I wrote this in just in case it happened. It didn't happen second service, but uh, first service, we kind of came to this point, and not one person responded to an altar call, to a salvation call. And I just challenged first service, and I want to challenge you as well, that that should grieve us. It's our responsibility. And to do that, we need to be fully activated. And I'm just curious this morning, if there's anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, I want to pray a prayer that says, Lord, I want in. I want in to what you're doing in my life and here at the Gateway Church. If that's you, I want you just to stand right where you are. Say, man, I want to be a part. I want to see God use me to reach one more. If that's you, would you just stand right where you are and give you a moment to consider. Because this is where it starts, church. This is where it starts. Now, on a couple of occasions, we read some scripture today where the Holy Spirit breathed on the disciples, and then they went and they, they were effective. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to engage each of us to reach one more, and that the Lord is preparing our hearts to do so. So I'm going to ask you to take an activating step right here, right now, to take to say, all right, God, this is where I am, but I want to take another step, break through the barrier to reach one more, and to say to God, like we sang earlier, Lord, you can have it all. And we're going to sing this song. We're going to set our hearts before him and uh, kind of, as, as you step out, and I'm going to encourage those that are standing to do that, to take that step. You say, do I have to step out? No, certainly you don't. But I'm telling you, there's something that's activated that says, all right, I'm serious. Lord, help me to do it. And uh, would you step out with me as we uh, just enjoy this song one more time, the theme song, Have It All. Let's do that together. Hallelujah. I want to leave us with two 
ways we can put this message into action. The first is going to be easy. The second is going to probably challenge most of us here. The first is this, that there's an activation point for us to serve and to be a part of something bigger than any one of us just in a couple weeks at the Backpack Drive, August 30th. It's a Wednesday night. And we want you to serve with us to reach 500 students with the gospel. It's going to be a challenge to get 500 families or 500 kids through with their families. But we believe that's what God has called us to do. And we need you to serve. We're developing teams. And out in the lobby, there's a whole list of opportunities. And we want you to look at that list, say, hey, I could help with hospitality. Hey, I could help run a bounce house. I could paint a child's face. I could give away a backpack. Okay? And that's pretty easy. How many think that's easy? You can do that, right? The second is I want you to identify a person in your life that doesn't know Jesus. And I want you to begin to be praying and asking God for His Holy Spirit to breathe on you that you could reach out and that that person would become your guest and to see God move in their life. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.